0: The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, do you want to know what your risk is for heart trouble? We explore the very latest in heart health and let you know how one test can let you know if you're at risk. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, we're joined today by another prominent physician when it comes to alternative medicine, Dr. Alan Sassen, and he is the founder and medical director of the Institute for Progressive Medicine. He's been practicing medicine for over 40 years. His institute treats people of all ages through comprehensive state-of-the-art new medicine techniques, and we welcome him back to the Mother's Market podcast. Dr. Sassen, how are you?
1: Good, Kim. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you. And before we get to today's topic, please fill us in on your mission and your work.
1: Well, I'm trained as an internal medicine doctor, which I did for many years and still do. But about 30 years ago or so, I started getting involved with other ways of working with people because I was seeing that medications were not the answer and people were running into complications from medications and from surgery. So The purpose of our practice now is to work with folks to try and handle their problems without resorting to medications, if possible, although we still use them, and without resorting to surgery, although we still use it. Uh, But you can initiate treatments in other ways, nutritionally, lifestyle changes, nutritional supplements and a lot of other things that can help them without exposing them to so many side effects and complications, and a better effect too.
0: And this is great. You said for 30 years you've been transitioning and learning about this, uh, your practice of natural alternative medicine.
1: Yeah, I mean, we still do regular medicine. I think it's really important to be on top of things that are happening in conventional medicine because there's a lot happening. It's, you know, enormous amounts of changes going on. So I think a physician needs to know about new medications and new techniques and all of these things. Otherwise, you're not really on top of things. You're telling people alternatives, but alternatives to what? So you really need to know what's going on, and it takes work and it takes study. Uh, but I think it's it's the right way. It's necessary.
0: So with you, you bring the best of both worlds, but uh, which I like. But you stay on top of everything. You're, you, you, which is wonderful. Um, today we're talking about the latest alternative and traditional therapies for heart disease, doctor. And um, heart disease, what? What is is heart disease? Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, well, most people think of heart disease as blockages occurring in the arteries that supply the heart with blood. So the heart's not getting enough blood. And if you have an acute blockage, uh, that's a heart attack. So a blood vessel that's been building up plaques, usually for years, uh, one of the plaques finally splits splits apart, and that creates a blood clot. So now the, the pathway for blood into that part of the heart is gone. It's been occluded, and part of the heart dies. That's a, that's a heart attack.
0: Mm. Who, gets, who gets heart attacks? Who gets these blood clots?
1: Well, it's extremely common, uh, and folks may not realize because there's so much scare about cancer these days that people are dying from cancer. But there are many, many more people dying from heart disease than are dying from cancer. And there's a lot of things going on in our society now that are leading to more heart disease, Uh, because we're not exercising and we're not eating right and we're getting chubby Mm -hmm. or even fat and all of those things predispose. Another thing to know is that congestive heart failure is another major cardiac problem that results when the heart muscle itself stops pumping properly. So it just gets weaker and weaker and fluid builds up in the lungs and the rest of the body and legs swell up And that is a major cause of death these days as well, and oftentimes comes about after a person has had heart attacks, because every time a piece of the heart dies, the heart itself is getting weaker, and over years, you know, the heart gives out. So, and this is what we see more in people who are older, generally, and what's happened with all of the changes that have occurred is that people are still dying of heart disease, but they're dying later. So instead of dying at 60 or 70, they're dying at 80 or 90, which I think is, you know, quite a bit of benefit. They're getting more years of useful life. It would be nice, however, to eliminate this as a disease itself.
0: Um, are you seeing more men or women, or is there is it pretty even?
1: Well, it's more common in men earlier in life, and becomes equally common in women past the age of sixty. Uh, we're not sure exactly what protects women from getting heart disease earlier, but it probably has something to do with hormones. Although I think it also has a lot to do with personality and the approach to life. Maybe. You know? huh?
0: That's <laughs> that is interesting. Um, what about, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? So men, you th- earlier, what about stress? Does stress have anything to do with it?
1: I think stress is an enormous contributing factor. I mean, to talk about heart disease without talking about stress is a mistake. Yeah. And there have been papers put out there where stress is not, maybe not the greatest factor, but very close to the greatest factor. And in some people, it is the greatest factor. I mean, you can look at people who are stressed out all the time, and then a week later, say, oh, you know, Joe just got into the hospital with a heart attack. I said, mm-hmm. well, what do you expect? Yeah. You know, he's bouncing off the walls. He doesn't sleep well. His eating is bad. He's not exercising, and he's stressed to the max. Yeah. And the stress itself creates hormonal changes in the body, raises blood pressure, and tends to constrict the arteries. So stress itself is a big factor. It's it's up there in the top five, I would think. And these days, maybe it'll soon be in the top three.
0: Mm. And so that makes sense for maybe perhaps men on the earlier side and then women after 60. Then uh, you had mentioned exercise or lack of exercise, uh, the diet. Is there a diet-specific for a heart-healthy diet? You may be talking about that later on, but I thought I'd throw it out here to you now.
1: (laughs) Well, there's a lot of diets that are offered. The one that I've seen work, uh, for which there's plenty of evidence that it works, is a diet that is very, very low in fat. And there's been research and studies that have been put out for more than 30 years, probably 50 years. As I recall, uh, Pritikin, who wasn't even a physician, but had heart disease and learned about this from his physician, Uh, set up the Pritikin Institute, which teaches people how to be on vegan-type diets, which is very low-fat. They don't have animal products. They don't have dairy products. And heart disease goes away, Mm. except when those people are done with their training and they go back home, they oftentimes resume their prior lifestyle, and it comes back again. Uh, There's been more recent work. When I say recent, I mean like 25 years, uh, through Dean Ornish and a, a Dr. Esselstyn, Caldwell Esselstyn, uh, putting out basically the same idea of a vegan type of diet preventing and reversing heart disease. And both of these individuals have books that are out there, easy to read, that show you that heart disease is reversible. And people who have had bypass surgery, who were on medications, who are still having chest pain, go on this program and their symptoms go away. Mm. And they even have had angiograms you know, that show the blood vessels in the heart with uh, getting bigger and more vessels. So it is a preventable and reversible program. The diet itself is not easy. I mean, there's not too many people who are able to go on completely vegan diets with less than 10% fat. Uh, So there are compromises you can make that are still effective, which to me is something like a paleo program where you're getting animal proteins and an awful lot of vegetables and fruits.
0: So you mentioned your mental outlook and its effects on heart disease. Can you expand on that? Can you explain that?
1: Well, we need to be able to handle the stresses in life without having the stresses handle us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's more out there these days with the proliferation of cell phones and the Internet Most of what you see on there is not good stuff. You know, it's like, you know, what mountain is caving in today and what country is blowing up and what revolution is happening and who's getting killed and whatever, whatever. These are the things we see because I, you know, I turn my cell phone on every day just to learn something. mm -hmm. But I get struck by these, you know, pictures and stories that are just awful.
0: And everything's breaking news and sensational for the most part.
1: Yeah, so, you know, they're not putting out the good things so much, you know, mm-hmm. like who just got a degree in, in uh, dentistry or, or who became a doctor or, you know, who just climbed a, another mountain. You don't see that so much. You see the bad stuff that alarms people and scares them. And motivates them to be more scared.
0: <laughs> that is so true. And, and it, uh, boy, if we flip that script a little bit and start telling people the inspirational things, or you know, things to look up to, or people to look up to, and those stories of the climbing the mountains, or the Nobel Peace Prize winners, or things that um, that won't be alarming. I wonder what that would do to people's heart rates. You know,
1: it would change things if we change their focus. You know, but there's just too much incentive out there, you know, to sell things or whatever that brings people in. A lot of movies out there and violence and blood and whatever. And, you know, it draws people in, but it's not good for them.
0: Yeah, I I know. That, and even the video games that our kids are playing now, it's a um, oh, different world now. How how often do people die from heart disease or heart, atta- heart attack so different, um, I guess, with heart disease, I guess we would say, because it's a disease.
1: Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, it's the single most common cause of death by far. There isn't anything close to it, not even cancer. Uh, and I should mention that the statistics are improving for both. So the, the survival with heart disease is much more extended than it used to be, although eventually most people will still die of heart disease. Uh, And the statistics on cancer are also considerably better. Uh, But both remain, you know, major problems. And heart disease, I think, is going to stay that way until we can change things around with our lifestyles, which is really not quite happening. There's a lot of people out there, and we see them in our practice all the time, who are on very good diets, who are exercising, who have the right weight. But this is not the majority of people. It's it's just, uh, you know, there's too many things out there that are preventing them from doing it, and they haven't decided to do it. Because you have to make a decision. You know, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to protect my body. This is how I'm going to protect my brain.
0: Can you talk about... This is, um, you know, we see sometimes... The, or read about the stories of the athlete or the, somebody that maybe that's a predisposed possibly that that's always shocking to us when we see somebody who's physically fit who uh, seems to be eating a good diet but just or and who's young and that all of a sudden drops from a heart attack or something um, but apparently it might be in a predisposed in his family or her family can you talk a little bit about that what what um, is that what it is? Is it a pre- uh, Is it in their family line? That-
1: Very likely. I mean, it's a really interesting uh, area, Kim, and there have been a lot of articles written about it, and I read articles about it all the time. Uh, I think these folks oftentimes have family genetic predispositions, and they don't know it because a lot of times heart disease is, is silent. It's silent until something happens to you. But the thing that happens to you may be sudden death. Mm. And ha- heavy-duty exercise is known to be stressful, to the heart in the short term. So, you know, if you go out and and run a marathon in 89-degree weather, uh, your chances of dropping dead in the middle of that are going to be greater than if we're sitting at home watching TV. So we know that occurs. The thing about exercise is that over the long term it protects you if you can survive what you're doing in the short term. Right,
0: right. So
1: there have been some recommendations that uh, people who are doing marathon running in their 40s and 50s or older – Uh, should probably take an aspirin before they go running to prevent these sudden breaks in plaque. Uh, I think personally that there's a really nice test out there that tells you whether you're at risk, which is a coronary calcium score. It's a CT scanner that you lie on a table for a couple of minutes, and it takes pictures of the heart, and a CT scanner can see calcium within the coronary arteries. Hmm. So if you have a high calcium score, you're at greater risk. And if you have a zero calcium score, you're not at risk, basically. So I think this is something that a lot of people should be getting, and I'm ordering them more in our practice all the time, uh, just to get this number, because you can see someone who looks fine, but the calcium score is 950, and that's not fine. And I see other people, particularly women with high cholesterol levels who are being told to go on statin drugs to bring it down, and they don't want to go on them, and they feel good, and they say, why do I need to do this? I say, get a calcium score. And they come back with a calcium score of zero in spite of the fact that cholesterol is 300. And I say, you know what? Not a big deal for you. Doesn't mean you should go out and, you know, start eating hot dogs and hamburgers <laughs> and all the rest of that stuff. You should still have a good lifestyle. But your risk is much lower than a person whose calcium score is high. And this has been shown repeatedly in, in the literature.
0: And so, yeah, numbers don't lie. And you can go, so people can go to their, uh, anywhere, their doctor, they ask for this CT score, this uh, uh, coronary calcium score. That would be what they were asking I for. I think
1: you can even get it without your doctor. I've seen people who just called up the radiology place and say, I want to get this done. It's a pretty cheap study. You can get it for a couple hundred bucks. Insurance is that generally will not pay for it but it gives you data. You yeah. know, it tells you, you know, what's my risk. Right, So
0: right. Oh, that, That's uh, great information. Um, thank you for explaining that. Is, this, is it preventable? Is heart disease preventable?
1: It is. I mean, the same things that reverse heart disease prevent heart disease. And it was shown in these books, books written by Ornish uh, and by Esselstyn, they were having patients come to them who had heart disease, who were having chest pain, who had already had stents put in, who had already had bypass surgery, who were already on all of the medications people get and still having symptoms. And then they were put on this program, which is a very low fat, less than 10% fat diet, completely vegetarian, not easy to do. But after a period of six months to a year and even two years, it's not gonna work overnight. Although chest pain can disappear within a week or two, believe it or not. But the disease itself takes time to reverse, so you have to stay with it. But they had many patients where symptoms went away, findings went away, blood pressure came down, weight always comes down. Cholesterol can drop 100 or 200 points, depending on where it starts. And you can get off medications and feel fine.
0: Medications like what you mentioned earlier, like the statin medications? Statin drugs,
1: Um, yeah. Blood pressure pills, beta blockers, all of these things that are routine and, you know, if you don't put every one of your cardiac patients on all of these drugs, you know, you're subject to uh, legal recourse. You know, you, you can uh, be sued for malpractice because you didn't put a patient on a statin drug. Mm-hmm. And I get letters from insurance companies about this. Why isn't your patient on a statin drug, especially a diabetic? Every diabetic uh, officially should be put on a statin drug. Well, I have a lot of patients that want to be on statin drugs, and we work with their cholesterol. There's other ways of lowering cholesterol, not just with diet, but there's nutritional supplements like niacin and other items that will lower cholesterol substantially.
0: The side effects from the statin drugs going back to it, and maybe, I don't know if you can talk about that, but people are scared to be on, or, or just don't want to change their lifestyle to be on these statin drugs, which is why you have come in and why you're talking about this, the alternatives, the niacin and things that, um, anyway, there are a lot of risks to be on statin drugs.
1: Well, there are, there are some risks, and I think they're sort of downplayed in the literature because The cardiologists themselves are taking statin drugs because they think they work, which they do, you know, if you're not getting trouble with the side effects, which I have seen multiple times in people basically getting pains in their lower extremities, numbness, tingling, almost neuropathic types, Mm -hmm. nerve problems, and weakness. So they have trouble walking and running, playing tennis, if that's what they're used to. Uh, That's not been unusual. It's, It's happened a fair amount. Uh, And the other thing I have seen, not as often, it's been uncommon, but nobody wants to have a memory loss. Mm. Nobody wants to be concerned about getting into Alzheimer's disease. But I've had a number of patients who found that their thinking was impaired and their memory was impaired while they were on the statin. And when they stopped it, which they did on their own, they got better. Wow. You know, it hasn't been a lot of patients, but it's something that raises concern. Like, you know, I don't want to lose my memory. You know, I don't want to get impaired. Right. Uh, you know, we still use statin drugs a lot. You know, I think a person who has a cardiac history uh, should be on a statin. However, if you can reverse everything, mm-hmm. you know, and get their cholesterol really far down without a statin and, you know, have them exercising and losing weight and getting rid of their high blood sugar and getting rid of their abdominal fat, their risks are going to be way down and they can get off statins. You know, you still have to be concerned about them, but you'd be concerned about them anyway. And statins do not eliminate cardiac risk. They reduce the incidence of events by about 30%. Okay. It's just, it's one third, which is appreciable. It's a lot, but it's not 100%. It's not. it's not a cure-all. And, you know, lots of folks have been out there and I've heard doctors say they ought to put statins in the water. <laughs> and I hear that I say, uh, I just cringe, you know, it's really, that's what you want to do to everybody. Mm. Uh, and I believe that. You know, I've heard it many times, and it's just, it's not the right way to go.
0: Well, this is... Very interesting information, and we appreciate you being on. Uh, There's much more to learn from Dr. Sawson, so please stay with us. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market Sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high-quality, great-tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local mother's market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself.
1: Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics, they're the normal life phases we move through
0: as women. And SolarAid delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind, comprehensive new supplement line offers
1: doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solarray at Mother's Market today.
0: And now back to our interview with Dr. Sassen, and we're talking about the latest alternative and traditional therapies for heart disease. And and Dr. We have been talking about what leads up to heart disease and how what is happening in the area of heart disease. What do you practice in your alternative medicine for heart disease? What do you What is going on in your practice?
1: Well, the lifestyle approach is by far the most important. I mean, that's the first thing you do. So you want to get the person on the right diet you want to get them into an exercise program that's a graded program. So if they can only walk for five minutes to start with, that's what you do. And the more they do this for a few weeks or longer than that, then they can get up to 10 minutes and 20 minutes and 30 minutes. So you want to get them in an exercise program that's not going to wipe them out and have them do something that they enjoy doing like dancing or playing tennis or whatever for a sufficient length of time, which should be at least two and a half hours a week altogether. So the exercise is really key. Those two things will help with the weight reduction that has to happen, and those two things, the lifestyle and the exercise will handle the blood sugar and the obesity and the diabetes and these things that are coming up more and more for folks. Um, As far as medications go, I think if you can start reversing the factors that you're dealing with, then you can start reducing medication. If blood pressure has been high and they're on three blood pressure medications and you see it coming down, with the program, then you can start backing off on the blood pressure pills, little by little, one by one. And some people can get off entirely. If a person's 50 pounds overweight and not exercising and he changes that around, he can get off those medications. He can even get off statin drugs frequently. The things we'll do after that, or sometimes if the patient is is ill um, or is really interested, we'll do things like chelation therapy, which has been around for 50 years, where you're giving an intravenous treatment of vitamins and minerals, including magnesium. We use glutathione also. All of these things will help the body, help the heart, help circulation. And you're also giving them these chemicals that will remove heavy metals from the body. So things like EDTA and DMPS, these are the names of the chemicals that will remove arsenic and lead and mercury and aluminum that we all have in our bodies to a certain degree. Some have more than others. But these heavy metals are thought to be involved in the development of heart disease and other conditions in the body. So you want to get them out as much as you can. And if you can give them vitamins and minerals at the same time, you're doing a few things at once. So we do a lot of chelation therapy. Usually it's once or twice a week for a series of about 30 treatments. And I've seen heart disease get better. And there's literature indicating that diabetics who have heart disease will have reduced incidence of cardiac events, heart attacks, by doing chelation therapy. So that's one group that should benefit from it. The other things we do, one I really like, is something called external counterpulsation therapy, where you're lying on a table, and these inflatable cuffs are put around your legs and your thighs and your pelvis, and they are blown up with air to force blood out of the legs toward the heart, and it builds up collateral circulation in the heart. It also reduces resistance in the arteries of the body, and a loss of um, an increase in resistance or a loss of elasticity is one of the first things you see in the development of heart disease. So, counterpulsation therapy, I've been working with that for 20 years, and I've seen patients who had heart disease, who have chest pain, uh, even congestive heart failure, has comp- improved a lot with counterpulsation therapy, usually combined with chelation. The thing about these treatments is they're so safe, uh, you can use them together, and oftentimes they're going to be more effective that way. Okay, i got a sec. <clears throat> Should I come in here or wait out
0: there? I didn't come in here. Let me tell that, I'm going to turn off the vacuum. Yeah, so I'm yeah. Just I'm just going to keep it hi. Oh, you want me to, oh. Just, just, just hang up Okay. Yeah, they, they're picking up all of the noises everywhere, so. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. I know. We're, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Doing? Good, fine, thank you. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why they, well, I mean, they have to clean, but they vacuum in right by the doors, and he puts signs up everywhere. We're, we're recording. But, yeah, these walls and the doors are paper thin. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You at them? The guy was going to the whole hall, but I didn't stop him. <laughs> I know. You're like, don't do it. All right. So back into it. Do um, you know where you're at? Yeah. So you were just talking about how you're combining both the chelation therapy and the external counter. Just asked a question like fresh. You know. Okay. So um, so how, what makes your program so successful? You, you, you were just talking about how you combine both of these.
1: Yeah. Well, the combination of therapies is easier to do because they're both very, very safe. So you can use them together and get additional benefits at the same time instead of just doing one thing at a time. And there's another treatment we've been working with in the last few years, which is ozone therapy. Everybody has heard about ozone therapy, and it's uh, very interesting because it's a powerful treatment. Basically, you take oxygen, and you connect the oxygen to an electrical current, and that creates ozone. So now you have a very highly charged molecule, and you can give this into people's bodies in different ways, but we're using it for heart disease intravenously, and that has the effect of reducing the inflammation uh, within the arteries of the body and it also provides energy. Ozone is an energy maker, so you can use ozone along with chelation, along with counterpulsation, along with everything else, and we always use a number of supplements that are heart-friendly, so things like coenzyme Q10, and niacin that I mentioned will reduce cholesterol levels, and there, are L-carnitine. There's a few other items that are all beneficial for the cardiovascular system and very safe. You don't have to worry about statin-type side effects with with these supplements. We use them a lot.
0: And again, you're you're saying they're safe, but they're all natural. Um, and you've been doing this these kind of treatments. You've been with you have been in practice with your alternative medicine for 30 years. Is that? It's
1: about right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so you've seen great success with, all of, with combining this. These yeah, kind of you know, things. the
1: success depends a lot on the patient's willingness. You know, if this is what the patient wants, this is what they decide to do, the chance of it working is very great. If they don't really want to do it and if they won't commit to it, it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it really de- requires determination. And the need for lifestyle change is, is essential. So that has to be involved as the number one priority item. So, you know, I have to get people away from smoking, have to get people away from fast foods, have to get people away from fried foods and unhealthy foods, which are all over the place. You know, Mm -hmm. we live near a university, and you see a lot of these fast food places that the students go to that are cheap and fast, and the food isn't good. You know, I know these kids are getting set up one or year, thirty years from now, for the kind of problems that we're dealing with,
0: yeah, they're getting set up for failure. Is really no. ultimately what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I have a question for you with um, with the usual medical approach. Do you find, and because you were in that practice before, uh, was and I'm not necessarily just asking you because I know where you've come from and what you're where. What you're just saying with all of the treatment that you're offering you're also offering lifestyle advice, but did, do you find that um, in the medical approach, do they also offer lifestyle, uh, uh, lifestyle treatment? Well... I mean, it would probably depend on the doctor, but are yeah. they saying, like with the statin drugs, are they saying, you need to exercise, and here's how you, you know, giving you some, op, some examples of how you, how you can live a better lifestyle? Yeah.
1: It depends a lot on the doctor's own philosophy and his own lifestyle. I mean, how do I convince somebody to do all this exercise if I'm not doing it? Yeah. How do I convince somebody to eat like this if I'm not doing it? So the doctor has to be an example of what he espouses. You know, you have to show that, you know, this works for me and it can work for you. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the system that's out there does not permit it. You know, a doctor has seven to 10 minutes to spend with a patient, well, how are you going to tell them how to eat? Plus examine them, plus, 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 give them their medications and whatever in seven to 10 minutes, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the time for it and you have to have the commitment from the patient. And these are, you know, difficult combinations to get.
0: um, we talked a little bit about uh, you know how they work, and they you really need to see the commitment from all of your patients. And I would suppose that goes for anything. So if they're on the, on the medical side, if they're taking the statin drugs, but again marrying that with the lifestyle, that goes hand in hand on both ends. So on your side with the chelation therapy and all of the therapies that you're offering, you have they also have to. Um, exercise and then start to eat healthy. But I think what you're also saying is that you're offering them, you're saying, here's, stay with me because I'm going to help you um, with the vitamins and the minerals and I'm going to set you up not to fail. I'm going to set you up on the right path for success.
1: Yeah, they're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, you put somebody on some of these drugs, you know, you're seeing numbers better. Blood pressure comes down and blood sugar comes down. They don't really feel better. They're not going to feel better until they can make the lifestyle changes right. that will make that happen. Yeah. Drugs generally make you feel worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every time we see these commercials and then there's all of these like, oh, and by the way, here are all the side effects. And it just, and it, that's just incredible to me that people, you know, still know that these could be the side effects. And it's almost, as you say, they're oftentimes so much worse or just, it's insane. Um you talked a little bit about uh, the screening test. Are there any other kind of tests that people should be aware of uh, besides the it was the coronary calcium score? Are there any other kind of tests that people can get to check their heart um, for heart disease?
1: Oh, yes. Well, uh, echocardiogram is a very nice test. That's an ultrasound machine that looks at your heart and visualizes the valves and the, the heart wall and how the muscle is functioning. And it's very informative, and it's non-invasive, so it's completely safe, and it gives you a lot of information. So I order them, and cardiologists do them on everybody. You know, it's, it's a, a very nice test to get, because it, it tells you is the heart wall thickened, which would indicate the blood pressure has been having that effect. You don't want it to be that thick. Is the heart enlarged, which can go along with congestive heart failure problems. And when you're treating somebody and you do serial studies, you can see improvements. The heart wall may get thinner again, Uh, the size of the heart may come down instead of getting larger being a smaller heart is a better thing so you can you know see a lot of things going on without having to do all of these invasive studies Uh, the core or one of the most important things to in cardiology these days is still getting cardiac catheterizations and putting stents in and doing bypass surgery uh, which is effective you know and they're not effective for everybody but again we see patients who've had those things done, and what, what's the first thing we do? Get them on lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, because it's going to make these things work better. You know that bypass surgery is going to work for a while, and then it's not going to work anymore. And stents are going to work for a while, probably, mm-hmm. maybe not, and then they're not going to work anymore. And there's literature out there that shows that putting stents in people will relieve their chest pain, but it's not going to make them live any longer. You want to live longer, change how you live, you'll live
0: longer. Great advice. Uh, Can people, you talked a little bit about this too, getting off of medications and that process. How long, this is um, a piece of information that I think is really important. How long does that process take to getting off of the statin drugs? And what does that process, how does that make people feel? And should they be guided along? What is that that process?
1: Well, a person can start to feel better depending on how far they've been off the track, Mm -hmm. you know, within several weeks. You know, two or three weeks, uh, they'll start to feel different. Uh, Everybody is so different, it's hard to say. There are some people I would not take off statin drugs. They have too much history and too many problems, and I would maintain them on them, but I may not put them on the highest dose. They're coming in on 80 milligrams of atorvastatin. We may get them down to 40 or 20 or 10, knowing that the side effects are commensurate with the dosage. Mm. So the lower the dose, the less there is chance there is of, of problems from it. So we don't always stop medications or eliminate medications, but we oftentimes can reduce the dosage.
0: And that's a really good point as well. Uh, this has been fascinating information, and so thank you so very much for your time, Dr. Sawson. but we look forward to having you on again. But in the meantime, please check out Dr. Sauston's website. It is iProgressiveMed.com, and you can learn more about his passion for alternative medicine and the other great things he's involved with. And I know I think you said you're writing a book as well. So when can we find out more about that book?
1: We have to finish it. We have to get some <laughs> illustrations and some organization and stuff. I need some help on that. But uh, To be continued. We'll to see. be continued. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Check the website. We look forward to your next visit.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Kim.